a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. We're joined now by Ryan Smith, majority owner of the Utah Jazz, and he now has a minority stake in Rouse Salt Lake as well. Ryan, welcome to the show. What's up, guys? How's it going? <laughs> well, you bought another team. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how this stuff works, but we end up... Uh, we, uh, man... Like, the world's a crazy place because we originally started kind of down this road in sports with RSL and and talking to Millers ended up, you know, going into the, the jazz. And it all came through RSL. And then a year later, you know, I'm talking with Blitz and he's like, hey, this is, uh, this is a good opportunity and I'm a soccer guy. Let's go do this. We'd love to have you involved. And it... You know, I think the original thesis of RSL was right. It was just in the wrong order. Yeah, for sure. We had, you know, we had heard of your interest in in this, so it didn't come as a surprise to us that you got involved. I'm wondering, when you go into these ventures, how much research do you do before you absolutely say, okay, yes, this is the right thing to do? I mean, first of all, it's like, I think that, and and it's it's hard to understand this, but you know, sports is a long-term commitment, right? You know, these sports franchises, they're, you know, no one gets, I mean, at least from on, on the ownership side, no one's getting a paycheck, right? And I think, I think there's probably a perception out there that these, these create a bunch of, you know, instant wealth or this or that. Um, it's really about the community. And if this MLS team was not in Utah, there'd be no chance that we would have a part of it. And, you know, when we did the jazz, I was super fortunate to put together a couple people who don't live in Utah, who are all in on Utah. They love Utah. And it's pretty amazing that when we have an opportunity like this, you know, everyone on the jazz side basically unanimously was like, we're all in on soccer. Even though there's probably two or two of them that will never go to a soccer game or be there and willing to commit because of the broader vision and the good they see in Utah. And that's, that's special. And that's what allow us to, to go in and do this. And so um, you do a bunch of research. I mean, you got to be familiar with it, but you know, both the jazz and RSL, like I'm a fan first. Right. And so it's kind of a unique spot to be in. I'm also a sponsor first, which is also another unique spot to be in. And so I, I think that it, it helps a lot. Different owners probably handle it differently. Maybe different owners, the ones who own multiple teams, handle it differently with each club, I, w- I would assume. But I'm curious how you parcel out your time. Uh, 
you're married. We all know relationships take time, effort, yeah. and energy, and you got kids. And if we raise kids, we know they take time, energy, and, and focus and all that. You got a company to run, you got a team to run, you got other things you're interested in. We've heard you on social and political issues. Like, how much time do you put into the jazz in an average week? And how much time do you think you're going to put into RSL in an average week? And how much of the research PK talks about was business? And how much of the re- research was personal because you got all these other things to focus on, too? Yeah, it's a good question. I think a lot of people are trying try to figure that out. I mean, that's been a question that you're always trying to figure out how to balance, um, you know, and reinventing yourself. I think we all do that. Um, you know, and, and I think first and foremost, no one's perfect, right? So I'm not perfect at all. And, um, you know, time allocation's hard because it creeps up on you. Like you, you say, hey, this is how much time I'm going to go put into something. And then you look at your calendar and I used to run this exercise for like 10 years where it's like, where did I actually spend time versus where I thought I spent time? And then you're super surprised that, oh my word, I spent 20 hours this week on this and I wasn't planning on it. And we all, we all kind of do that. Um, when it comes to sports though, um, let's just break it down with like RSL first. So I hope in, in, I said this yesterday. It's like we are so incredibly fortunate as a state of Utah that David Blitzer planted his MLS flag here. Like, I cannot be more direct on that. There's only two soccer franchises in the world that have a portfolio like David does, and it's Man City. And it's what David's put together with six European teams, including Crystal Palace and Osberg and, um, you know, team in Belgium, team in Spain, and now Salt Lake. So, so first, just, you know, someone where it's a natural fit for MLS saying, hey, look, I want to do it here. And then we're also maybe one of, we're, we're, we're one of a couple cities that has two professional sports franchises, mainly MLS and basketball. I mean, I think of Portland and Orlando, but we're the only one where they're tied together now with one ownership. And that is also a massive advantage. David's team is going to operate soccer. So let's talk from a time standpoint. I'm here to help, um, regardless of ownership structure or anything else. It would be crazy to not um, want that group operating soccer. And, you know, I'm here to help. The Jazz, I'm more involved with. And so I think that that's, that's kind of how I think through it. But, you know, um, you know, the NBA has been a crazy place the last couple of years. And, you know, but in both areas, it's like we hire phenomenal people who – would do a way better job than I would and, and try to empower them. And I think that you, you've seen that with the jazz with both Jay-Z and Ainge coming in. Um, and then, you know, we're so incredibly blessed to have Quinn. Um, it's, it's a pretty, it's a pretty phenomenal organization. And so I just try to help where I can and, and try to not, not mess it up. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You say that, because of the location of the of Salt Lake City, you know that was your interest in RSL. So it basically, it had to be in Salt Lake City. Did it have to be this owner also too that you wanted to partner with? 
A hundred percent. And that, that was, that was one of the reasons why, I mean, Blitz called me and said, Hey, I'm thinking about this. If you're in, I'm in. And, and that's really how it happened. And, and then we started talking and it started getting much more exciting um, from, from that standpoint. Um, so it's, it, I think, I think it's a, it's a good move. I mean, this is in its short time, RSL is, has become a storied franchise and, um, there's a lot of respect around the league for what the, I mean, look, going to the Western conference playoffs this last year and, um, you know, winning a championship, it's, it's, it's been, it's been an interesting, um, and with the Academy and everything that they've done, um, I feel like I've been fortunate to try to kind of take stewardship over two amazing franchises and, and try to take them to the next level. And, and that's how sports works. There are people in the organization who have seen synergy between these two teams for uh, for at least a decade. Now, there have been people along the way who didn't see it all, and there was one meeting famously where I think some you know somebody got laughed out of the room for even suggesting it back when the team was worth ten or fifteen percent of what it's worth now. Uh, and I've heard all kinds of speculation about how good this can be for the business side of both these clubs. And the the synergy, the amount of um, money and resources it could free up in selling sponsorships, selling tickets, food and beverage, uh, luxury suite. I mean, there's a whole list of stuff. How much of that stuff is overblown and how much of that stuff do you see and, and see that as what you bring to the table? Um, you know, it's a good question. I think that there's definitely massive synergy. You don't, I mean, anyone can sit there and think through the synergies. And first of all, let's just, let's not talk financial or business side. Let's just talk community side. Every jazz fan should be an RSL fan and vice versa, right? They both have different fan groups. You know, I, I, I've gone around, God, the last two years and ask anyone anywhere, like, who's your NBA team? They say, no, it's like, I'm sending you a jazz shirt. Like, you're ours. <laughs> like, Will you be a jazz fan? Yeah, right? We have so many people that have relocated to Utah, and it should be part of their welcome packet. Here's your jazz sticker. Here's your RSL sticker. Come on. We're choosing your teams. Here it is. And they love it. They love being a part of something. And so I think from a community standpoint, um, that's the first thing that gets me excited is – Hey, there's there's a little bit of different seasoning going on. Um, it's it's a break. RSL is not playing as many games, um, and I think I think there's been a little bit of a I don't know if it's a scarcity mentality, but you know I'll just give you one touch point. I mean we played on New Year's Day here against the Warriors, and you know I, I, we were pretty sold out. I mean the place was electric, but that exact same time we probably had. <laughs> 50,000 fans down at the Road Bowl, right? And, and if you just think where Utah's come, that's that's pretty special. And so I think that there's a lot of synergies at being able to have these two organizations tied. And, I mean, they're different organizations. We kept them completely independent. Um, we do that on purpose. I think they'll both operate way better. Um, but – you know, it's 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 not hard. I mean, from from jerseys and swag to you know 
food contracts and there, there's a lot there's a lot that can be done on the business side and but but I'm much more excited about just the connection with the community and some of the things that are working well on both sides and, and just getting the community involved in sports because in a world where Kyle it feels like everything's just dividing us um, you know, especially during COVID and other things, like people can go watch sports and, and forget about life for a while. And we all can agree on something as a community. And it, that's why I'm doing this um, truly is. I mean, I want to win and I'm super competitive and, you know, there's nothing I want more than championships for Utah. And if I can help try to bring that, then, it's it's definitely worth it, but along the way, we we've got to get our community involved, and I love where the jazz is going with that, and how we're reaching out, and um, you know, we started the Jazz Foundation, which is the one that's doing the scholarships, and um, you know, the Jazz have always had that spot in the community. So, I'm wondering for you, how much of a challenge is it to balance being an owner, so you have to be fiscally responsible and all that type of stuff versus being a fan where you want the team to win and you may have connections to individuals that you may have to part with? Um, look, the NBA, for example, is, is a really unique spot right now. I would say over the last five years, the NBA looks very different than it's ever looked. You know, if you look at the ownership groups in the NBA, these, these owners are not messing around. Um, if I look at the peer group out there, whether it's Balmer, it's Cuban, um, you know, I can just go group by group. Um, what you saw in Milwaukee, um, you know, it's not just a couple of ownership groups. Um, Brooklyn with Josai, they're they're in it to win it, and you know, you've got you've got two teams this year that are further over the salary cap than all, and then the luxury tax and then every team combined last year, which is crazy, um, you know, with, with Brooklyn and, and, you know, the, the Warriors. And so I think, I think the ultimate goal is that we, we really truly try to win and take this to the next level. And the Jazz are such a stable organization. I mean, um, and, and we want that stability, but, it's also very, very difficult to go from, you know, good to great, right? And, you know, a, a lot of the reason for, um, you know, me wanting to tap Danny is because he's an individual that's been able to do that and he's at a point in his career where there's not a lot of ego and he just wants to come in and help and he's here. And, um, you know, you got one of the best basketball minds in the world who's had one of the most stable franchises and has more playoff wins than, than anyone the last 15 years. And, you know, how do we get from good to great? And, and we're there and kind of never, you never know, like no one would have predicted what happened last year in the playoffs. And, you know, I like our guys, I like our spot and it's, um, we're pretty fortunate. Um, pretty fortunate to be a sports fan in Utah right now. Ryan Smith joining us, Jazz majority owner, and now he has a minority stake in Real Salt Lake as well. Uh, there were a lot of owners who took a big hit during COVID. Live events took a big hit. 
Do you feel like, and, and you probably know more because I think the commissioners and the owners have access to a lot of information, do you feel like that you're at the tail end of that right now? Do you feel like you're in the middle of it and financially you're still going to be battling this going forward? What do you What do you think? Man, it's. I feel like every time we feel like we're we're turning a corner, um, this happens, and it's it's a hard year for hard couple of years for for just so many people, and there's so much suffering that's been going on. But um, you know, I think we're learning as a as a society to kind of try to work through this, and you know. I I love the idea of having people together. I mean, when we came out, you know, there's, I mean, we see the backlash when we say, Hey, you've got to be vaccinated. You've got to be tested in the arena and COVID's over. And then here we are today, right? Where we've got players who are testing positive. We're, we're up in Toronto tonight where the entire city shut down. And I'm just grateful for our fan base and our community for trying to do their part in keeping it open because, you know, we could very, very easily be in a spot where we don't have live events and that's just not good or sustainable for anyone. And so I think, um, you know, I appreciate Utah for, for kind of leaning in and, and trying to help get through it because it's, it's unprecedented. I mean, no one's been through this before and you know, it's hard and there's a lot that a lot of people don't understand. And so I think we're all just kind of leaning in together. And I think what Adam Silver just came out and did and said, Hey, we're going to, we're going to have to learn to play through this, whether it's 10 day contracts or whatever else, like the show's going to go on. Um, whereas, you know, and we were part of, I mean, we shut down the world not just the NBA, but the Utah Jazz. Like, that was the tipping point to say, hey, look, we're in, we're in Oklahoma City, and, and um, everything kind of, oh, wow, this is serious. So we're taking a different approach, um, and, and fortunately um, we've been able to do it, but health and safety are our first priority, and, and it's challenging, man. It, and it, it takes a toll on everyone. I mean, I would say the last two years in the NBA are – are equivalent to five years <laughs> and, and, you know, coaching players, like it's hard. It is hard. And, you know, the travel, not knowing who's playing, not knowing, you know, testing, landing in a city at two in the morning. And instead of going to bed, it's, you know, wake up at six and test so you can get your test back. It's, it, it's a grind and it, and it truly has taken a toll on mental health and everything else. And, so everyone's just trying to get through it. I think the biggest surprise for me, Ryan, is why aren't you in Maui with Tony? <laughs> oh man, <laughs> I, I, you know, it's uh, it's Caddy Mark's got to get back on the bag and get a little rhythm with him, <laughs> right? Like we want we want everyone to to feel good about where they stand. <laughs> but he, uh, look, I hope uh, we had a good little run there, man. I mean, on Saturday <laughs> it, 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 in uh, the Bahamas, like, we we got it going. That course is just super tough. The wind started coming, and Tony hit the ball so good. And, you know, it was – we had some serious warning track power that week. 
where we where where it was it was going and even on even on Sunday on the weekend like we we had a good chance to do it but it was uh, what an amazing experience there's not a better human than Tony Finau um you know we played a lot of golf together I've I've been in tournament play next to him and you know he called me and was just like hey I need you and I was like all right uh, but I had no idea that we'd be racing into contention on Saturday I was just trying to not lose clubs and I mean the first day I think I lost like two head covers and didn't break so I, I was just but it was it was super funny because the next day we we actually ended up playing with Patrick Reed and he's like how many strokes did Ryan cost you yesterday <laughs> like man maybe one or two he's like oh great my caddy's normally four or five so I, I felt better and you know, but it's it's crazy to be out there. Yeah, you, you basically had the Ryder Cup out there with the top twenty players in the world and and um, the top twenty caddies in the world. And you know, it's intimidating when you're sitting there and Bones is next to you and you're, you're trying to hey, will you, will you grab the bunker? Or will you get yardage? But but Tony keeps it so cool. It's what you see is what you get. He's probably one of the most chill humans in the world. And that's why he's so good at golf. Like he just he can shake it off. And there's a, there's a lot of there's a lot of lessons there, man. I mean, on Sunday we played with Scotty Scheffler, who triple bogeyed the third hole, and he's talking to me like nothing happened on the way over, and then he goes and rips off nine birdies in a row and takes second of the tournament. Wow. Nine birdies in the last sixteen, fifteen holes. I'd never seen anything like it, and it's which why attitude in sports is so important. Um, but it was it was pretty cool. Well, you took the Bahamas, but you gave up Maui, so I guess you got to split the uh, sp- split that stuff down the middle, right? Hey, I just I just go where they need me. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right, Ryan. Well, we know you got to go, so we got to let you go. I was going to say the press conference and uh, the media availability went. Uh, went really well yesterday. I know when the press conference is a temporary thing and then all the other stuff comes and you made a point about it's a multi-season commitment and journey and all that. The one thing I would add is when uh, when David Blitzer said the goal is to win the MLS Cup, for a big chunk of the longtime RSL fan base, the 2011 loss in the uh, Champions League final at home is the moment they want back. And so you can tell David, as much as everybody wants the MLS Cup, and they do, that moment to be the first MLS team to be the champion of the continent yeah. and to yeah, the yeah, credibility yeah. that comes with beating a team from Mexico. It's an intense rivalry, but everybody knows there's a lot of credibility to be had. If you were the first team to do that, you'll always be the first club to do that. So I don't know if he knew that piece of history. I know he's living overseas for a while and all that, but for the people who are in that stadium, that one still stings. Yeah, was that in the last? It happened in the last a little bit, right? They, yeah, in 2011, they'd gone yeah. down there and drew, and they only needed a scoreless tie here. They gave up a goal, and they almost scored at the end, which would have bailed it out. Yeah, yeah. Now I'm just pouring salt in the wound with all the details, but no, yeah, I, I mean, I was. We, we sat down with Romando and Beckerman and those guys last night, and they were. We went through the a lot of the the ins and outs of kind of their favorite moments, and look, I think I think uh, Blitz. Like like I said, we're super lucky, and we're 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 kind of both just about the community and in it to in it to make people proud. And you know, sports are interesting. Like you can do everything you can, and and you win or you win the championship. You can do everything you can, and it doesn't go that way. So I think the one thing that that people can expect from us is that we're going to do everything we can, and 
you know, you got to look at a little bit over time. And but Blitz, Blitz is sitting there watching hockey because he's a he owns part of the Devils. While we're there, I mean, he's all in. This guy loves sports, and so we're excited. Thank you, Ryan. We appreciate it. All right, thanks, guys. Keep Ru- it good work. Ryan Smith, majority owner of the Utah Jazz, and now he's got a minority stake in RSL as well. DJ and PK, we've got to take a break. We'll come back with the Jazz update. Jazz shorthanded tonight. Ryan talked about that a little bit and uh, our reaction to some of the things Ryan said. We will get to that next. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.